Welcome to Middle Grade Mavens, where two author mums discuss their favourite middle grade books, provide recommendations and share insider industry tips for authors trying their hand at middle grade. Julie Ann Grasso is the author of the Frankie DuPont mystery series, cupcake enthusiast and part-time library book wrangler. Pamela Eucherman is a writer, dancer and homeschooling mum who sometimes finds time for sleep. Both Julie and Pamela devour middle grade books, not only for research, but to share with their combined brood of four munchkins. Hi, Pamela, and welcome back to Middle Grade Mavens for our 110th episode. Hello, hello. It's been a little while. What has been happening? It has. Uh, oh, let's see. It's it's spring, finally. Spring is here. Yep. Spring is here, which means um, birthday season in my house. So we've been pretty busy, but um, yeah, otherwise I've been taking it slow. I made a decision to cut back on a few things um, months ago, including, as our listeners could probably tell, reviewing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, although that was mutual. That wasn't just me. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, it's been glorious to have a bit more time to enjoy life rather than rushing from one thing to another um and time to think and dream is far more conducive to creativity than being busy um i find and yeah if you're a writer and you haven't discovered this yet you should try it um yeah it really is i've been spending a lot of time in the garden of course um because we um grow a lot of edibles uh and being spring it's you know preparation time and i've been buying more plants more we've grow um i've been trying to grow a lot of berries particularly mm. about 10 different varieties of berries um i'm just battling possums it's just oh, oh, possums exciting. eat everything i i <sighs> grow berries i don't i don't reckon we'll have any success but yeah you keep well yeah, we've got some. I mean, we've got, they're growing. We do have things growing, but like I've, I'm growing strawberries in a new place now and the possums have discovered them already. So, no. you know, and I've got my first grapes coming out on my grapevine, which has been in for about three years. It's his third year. So it's, um, oh, yeah. And now the possums have attacked that too. And I'm like, oh, oh, no. <laughs> Apart from that stress, it's, you know, it's really good to get out in the garden, get some fresh air. And then, yeah, it just gives you that space to dream and think and and play in your mind and that I think is um where a lot of the work of writing is really it's not as much sitting in front of the computer I find if if I'm trying to fix a problem or be creative being in front of the computer does not help yeah being in the garden helps more yeah so um get my inspiration in the shower (laughs) shower is amazing and Right bef- as you're about to fall asleep at night is yeah. also <laughs> yeah <really> amazing. <laughs> um, sometimes in the middle of the night too, which is not very helpful yeah. when you've got to get up, turn the light on, find a pen, blah blah. blah. Yeah. Um, or use the phone. But yeah. Um. So yeah, that's been happening. But of course, something always comes up. Um, and I volunteered. Not volunteered. I got roped into managing my son's basketball team t- as of today. Yeah. So. <laughs> things come back in (laughs) but anyway no it's been good not a lot of writing but a lot of thinking and dreaming and just getting ready to gear up again for the last term of of the year so yeah yeah. so what about you Julie 
Um, what happened? What's been happening? Um, in the writing stakes, I got my edit back from my incredible freelancer. So that was the second round of edits on my graphic novel, which Ooh. was just as excruciating as the first, I might <laughs> add. Um, yeah. But I did, I did complete that probably not as well as I should have. <laughs> oh, um, but, yeah, I had lost the will a little bit at the end there, but I still feel like I've made, like, an incredible amount of progress in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, yeah, I've kind of, I've sent that into the into the ether um, mm. a few places and who knows if it, it will get anywhere. It's a really tough sell as an author only. Um, and I knew this, but that didn't stop me writing it because I'm a dreamer. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, we'll see. Well, it's it's interesting. I mean, you know, graph- we've been talking for a while about how graphic novels are, you know, they're the thing. They're getting more yeah. and more popular and um, publishers want them. They don't yeah. all necessarily know yet how to do them or what they're going to do uh, with them okay. or what they want yep. to do. So, yeah, um, got to get yeah. in for the, on the cusp. <laughs> yeah. And and the thing is, like, in the past it's been talented illustrators with a great idea and a great, you know, not necessarily yeah. writers yeah. or they've been converted from existing stories. So it's interesting to see how they will deal with, yeah. you know, those who are authors first and foremost. And it's like they've been pairing authors with illustrators for, you know, a century. I mean, mm. it's a little bit over for, the top. Wow, yeah, for okay. other for other things. Yeah. Years. And <laughs> it can happen, but, it, yeah, it's just it's an expensive undertaking, so. Yeah. But I'm going to, I'm just going to stay in the hopeful camp here. Yeah. Wait and see. Apart from that, school holidays is, is really incredibly difficult with children with additional needs. So yeah. I won't pretty that up. It has yeah. been very difficult. Um, and yeah, we've had some new strategies, new medications. So, um, we move we move on you know it's back to school today and yeah I was so relieved <laughs> but anyway yeah. um yep. and uh, you know I I always jump in don't I I've launched my author services I have been talking about it for uh probably a year now um and there is no right time and in no. the really quite difficult school holidays I decided to launch my author services because yeah. that's what keeps me going is just yeah. having something to focus on when, yeah. when so much chaos in my house. So yeah. Yeah. it's about control, isn't it? It's about it you've is. got the control over something. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, you know, I love to reel. So I've been reeling lots of books. Yeah. I've been doing some mini reviews. Um, but yeah, just reeling my author services is a, a bunch of fun for me. And also, I don't know if anyone is ever going to book my services, but I've offered them and I, I know I've got something to give. So whatever, let's move on. Let's talk about a couple of things. What yeah. have you got? Um, so as you mentioned, I've done a couple of mini reviews on Instagram and um, they were just a you know, quick way of getting reviews out there without the onus of recording an episode, which takes quite a bit longer yeah. on both of our parts um yeah. so but these were you know some great books that I've got 
I was sent and I wanted to get them out there. So one of the two reviews that I put up was The Dangerous Business of Being Trilby Moffat um, by Kate Temple, which was a really fun sort of fantasy novel for about eight plus, um, and which had and it had flavours of Nevermore by Jessica Townsend, but it was uh, shorter and funnier. I really enjoyed yeah. that. And it's the first book in a series, so. It was so funny. Yeah. I'm surprised. I'm actually interviewing Kate next, no, this week, and it'll air next week. But so witty. I yeah. was just like, I wanted to write a few lines down and print them on a T-shirt. Yeah. Like, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, all the way so through well. too, which which was really good. It was all the way through. I love the voice. If you want, if you want to be a writer and you want to talk about voice, you know, go check yeah. out her book because yeah. it, the voice carried all the way through um, and it was, it was interesting because it was a first person point of view, but from a, from a minor character or, yes. you know, not, not the main character. So that was interesting. Um, yeah. But yeah. Very funny voice and crosswords. I love the chapter headings. Each of them was a crossword yes. clue, yes. Um, which was very clever. And um, I, a great yeah. length. Like, yeah, you know, I bang on about this so much. Yep. Yeah. Um, and just hit the spot in the length because I'm such a reluctant reader. <laughs> and yeah, it's so hard to keep my attention. I think I'm probably ADHD now that we've actually got a second diagnosis for the boy wizard. <laughs> I'm seeing yeah. it all in myself. But um uh I I finished this last night and I just put it down and went, I loved that. Yeah, I love that. Like even yeah. the way to the ending. So well done, Kate. I can't wait to chat. To yeah, her. and for the next book to be out. Yes, yeah. yeah. What yeah, next? Fun, huh? uh, so the other one, the other book I read, which I really enjoyed, was *The Goodbye Year* by Emily Gale, which was a coming of age story with a time slip, or maybe not so much time slip, but ghostly element. <laughs> um, yeah, and it was set in 2020 during the first pandemic lockdown in Melbourne um which you know for me was a little bit like oh do I really want to read about something that I experienced so recently and was so So hard but I also know and Emily has talked about this on Twitter and probably in other places that um kids want you know it's such a it seems like just just a short time for us but it's not for them it's such a large percentage of their lives yes and that they want to actually see it in stories they want to read about it they want yeah. to um process it um and so this is one of the reasons that she wrote this book and you know as i got into it it got easier to to deal with you know yeah. and i know that kids will will approach it emotionally in a very different way and um, by the end of it, I mean, Emily is such a great writer and she, her characterization is amazing. Like, I just want to stay with those characters. I don't really care what's going on, to be honest. I just feel like I'm, I know them, like I'm in this world. It's, you, you're sort of deep in there. Um, and it is a, it, it is, it is a coming of age story and she's not shy to put in periods and, you know, yeah, other things that your average 12 year old worries about um so yeah I really enjoyed it it's a great novel for you know your grade sixes year sevens uh, especially girls um yeah great story Brilliant. 
So, and I'll soon be adding another mini review of the very much anticipated prequel to The Grandest Bookshop in the World by Amelia Mellor, which is called The Bookseller's Apprentice. Um, we're currently reading yeah. it aloud with the boys and, of course, we are loving it. Loving um, so it, watch yeah. out for that. Yep. And, and I've also just started. Another um, stunning cover as well. Yeah, I know. Oh, we got we got the, um, the ARC, the advanced reader copy, and it's a paperback cover it's black and it's just got gold accents mm. and manga boy was hugging it yeah and i said to him that's not the final cover i know what the final cover looks like and yep. it's very colorful even and he was like <laughs> yeah even better and i he was like i don't care i want all the covers it's a collector's <laughs> edition i want all the you know <laughs> i was like it's not a collector's it's not a special edition it's just a you know yeah. a, a review copy so um we do have the final copy now and of course um it's stunning it is just yeah. stunning yeah um and runt yeah craig runt Silver yeah comes out yeah. to uh, two days time yeah is that i i have i have not even looked at the dates but yeah i've just started reading that so there'll be a review for that soon and it's just gorgeous too beautiful hardback oh love it yeah, yeah. um illustrated so, by Sarah Acton as well. Sarah Acton, yeah, yeah. And no, I it. haven't, I haven't seen um her uh illustrate uh longer book before. No, not a middle grade. Not not a middle grade. Yeah. yeah. Okay. My so, turn. Your turn. <laughs> da 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 da. Oh, a girl called Corpse, long awaited by Reese Carter, published by Alan and Unwin. Um, cover by Simon Ho. How might be how. Um, yeah. uh, we've been waiting for this one. I mean, we got a coffin delivered <laughs> in the mail um, maybe eight months ago and we've been doing reels for this. We've been, you know, gathering seaweed. And, um, oh, wow. She's a, a corpse girl made of wax and has seaweed hair. <laughs> um, oh. So ingenious. And uh, the and. So we got an arc which had this sort of glorious silver cover, um, which I really loved. And then they there's an actual real cover, which is even better. It's beautiful, colorful, mm. and um, and we just got something else in the mail. Oh, a beautiful candle and a chocolate. Of course, Giselle stole that. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, let's get down to it. It was just a delicious read, delectably macabre and really dark in places and, you know, just my cup of tea. And I was really swept into that. uh, He calls it Elston Fright. Um, And obviously, you know, lots of hints to Neil Gaiman in my other favourite, you know, a little posse of oddities that sort of follow corpse around and help her, you know, find her way in, in, in the, the under, the afterworld, not the underworld. Um, so it, and it also reminded me a little bit of Alison Rushby. Um, and I was actually really sad on the final pages when it came to an end. <laughs> oh. but have no fear. <laughs> there will be more from Elston Fright and a girl called corpse. And, I have interviewed Reese, so yes, tune in this episode because that's going to be coming up right next. I had such a great chat with him, and that's it. We've we've finally 
recorded an episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I hope we've still got some listeners, but yeah. Stay <laughs> tuned, folks. Yeah. See you next time. Some of Reese Carter's earliest memories involve books. His love for stories, especially for those filled with whimsy, magic and a little bit of weirdness, began as a child growing up in rural Western Australia. There was an unfortunate lack of witches and ghosts on his family farm and so Reese had to find them in books instead. It wasn't until high school that Reese thought to try his hand at writing his own stories and he loved it and never looked back. Reese now lives in Sydney when not reading or writing, he can usually be found talking to his dog Hagrid and hoping that one of these days Hagrid might decide to talk back. So hi Reese, and thanks for joining us at Middle Grade Mavens. Hi Julie, thanks so much for having me. It's so funny, I've got Hagrid by my feet at the moment and when you mentioned hi. his name I just saw out of the corner of my eyes his head cocked up. Oh, <laughs> we have had many dogs on the show <laughs> so he is very welcome. He will probably try to at some point. He's got a lot to say about the book. So, yeah. you know, don't don't be it. surprised if he chimes in. I love it. Now, let's get to it. Your debut, A Girl Called Corpse, is due out with Alan and Unwin in October. So let's get down to the nitty gritty. Where yes. did you first get the idea for a little ghost called Corpse? So... I mean, that's a really good question because with this book, it was very much character first. Corpse was absolutely the first part of this story that came came to me. I know that sounds a bit funny, but it, she really did. She sort of appeared fully formed in my, in my mind. And it was because I was living in an older style house at the time. It creaked and it groaned. And, you know, if any place I lived was going to be haunted, it was going to be that one. And I was trying to get to bed one night and... As my eyes adjusted to the darkness, I was looking up at the ceiling and the manhole was slightly ajar into the into the room for no reason. I still can't tell you. I spoke to my housemate. None of us had been up there. Anyway, yeah. terrifying. Um, but after I jiggled it shut with a broom, I crawled back under the covers. And once I calmed down, I started to think who or what might be up there. And very quickly came up with this character of a kid ghost, a girl made of wax, um, and, you know, at that stage, she actually had like a mop head for hair and buttons for eyes. It was all very Coraline-esque. Uh, and that changed once I chose a seaside setting. But what, what never changed was she was this kid ghost made of wax. And I kind of imagined her like peeking through the manhole down at me, like wanting to rejoin the world of the living, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. And I knew immediately that she was really quite lonely and I knew immediately that she'd, you know, lost a friend and all of these, these you know, character traits that we see in the book and I just wanted to go and give her a big hug I kind of this I wanted to reach out and give her a big hug and I thought well I can't do that because she's not real so yeah. instead I'll write her a story <laughs> yay and uh I, I guess my next question is a doubler because who are your influences I I think I can guess them but let's see how accurate I am you go first I'll go first okay well the big one is definitely, and this probably won't come as a surprise to some people, Neil Gaiman. The Graveyard Book is my favourite middle grade book, possibly my favourite book of all time. I just love yeah. it. Yeah. Um, and it was, that was, yeah, did, was that one you picked? <laughs> I got it, yeah. <laughs> oh, well done. Um, yeah, no, there's that kind of, you know, that book, it, there is so much about it that's quite dark and sinister, but he manages to balance out the warmth so well. 
Um, and, you know, about a boy that loses his family and is then raised in a cemetery by ghosts that should be really chilling, but the ghosts are also friendly and such a lovely family to him that the whole thing quite often feels quite fuzzy. Um, and I thought he struck that balance really well. And so that was kind of front of mind when I was writing A Girl Called Corpse, for sure. Yeah. Um, other influences. Um, I mean, this is going right back to when I was a kid. I was a huge Roald Dahl fan, and I think it's probably for the same reason. You oh, know, there's that balance yeah. of dark, darkness and coziness. They're probably the big two, but I will say that I've kind of since, since writing A Girl Called Corpse, I've discovered Sophie Anderson's books. I'm not sure if you've read any of oh, hers. I haven't. And I feel like they sit on the shelf really nicely together. So, um, you know, probably not an influence because I hadn't read it yet, but certainly, you know, um, probably moving forward, I'll be saying that I'm inspired by Sophie Anderson because I think her stories are wonderful. Wow, we'll have to check check her out well I had definitely Neil Gaiman um not just the graveyard book probably also Stardust which is another big favorite um yeah. I didn't pick Roald Dahl but that's I never read Roald Dahl as a kid like I'm one of those really yeah never read Roald Dahl um I had Alison Rushby the turnkey because I mean that's a little little girl ghost um and the last one I think was um Magret by Lee Battersby which if you haven't read it, you probably need to. So I haven't read it. So Magret, I'll add that to yeah. my list. It's interesting you mentioned um, Alison because, no, I haven't read The Turnkey, but I'm, it's on my to-be-read. And now I'm also dying to read her new one, The Ghost yes. Locket. Yes. Um, yes. I remember when I was when I was still kind of, when I was writing, not when I was writing this book, but when I was writing a previous manuscript, um, I came across, I can't remember if it was Alison's website or a blog post she did somewhere else, but she was talking about the difference between how to choose whether your story is YA or middle grade. And I remember I was struggling with that particular yeah. story at the time and everything Alison said just hit the nail on the head for me. I was like, oh, you know what? You are right. This is a middle grade book. Um, and the number of times I've referred back to that, that post now. Um, wow. Yeah, so I'm very excited to read her books. Well, I would say read them afterwards <laughs> because... When I think when you're writing in very similar genre, it, it's really hard not to be like, oh, they've already done it, or oh, I've done that too, or yeah, so read them later. But okay. yeah, definitely saw your influences, and I was delighted, obviously, because huge game and fan. Um, so let's move on to so how did it how did it get contracted? I hear it was really hotly contested. Take us on the roller coaster with you. Well, roller coaster is definitely the right word because it was a wild ride. I had written, as I said, this is not the first manuscript I'd, I'd uh, written. I've been writing since high school and kind of as an adult, I'd written three full length manuscripts before this, two of them middle grade, one YA. And as is often the case for new authors, you know, there was a lot of rejection along the way and none of them went anywhere. And so it was really surprising <laughs> in a good way that this was the opposite experience. I'd finally written the story that was the winner um, yeah. and there was a huge amount of interest, which of course is very, very flattering. Um, and it all started um, by seeking out an agent. So I had decided I would find myself a literary agent. I had um, finished a reasonably early draft of A Girl Called Corpse and I thought, I'm just going to go big. I'm going to go for my dream agent see what happens and it was a name I'd read in you know the acknowledgement sections of some books that I just recent books especially that I just love middle grade fantasy so I thought I'm just going to go for it and so I sent it out and then of course 
very quickly regretted my decision. There was all that anxiety and all yes. that, uh, well, what have you done, Reese? The manuscript was not ready. You shouldn't have done that. Yes. Um, <laughs> so delighted when she asked to have a Zoom meeting and then we uh, got along like a house on fire and she offered to represent the book. Um, and it really yeah. did just all take off from there. So Gemma and I did some editing on the book together. We uh, reworked the manuscript um, before sending it out and it went out to publishers and then that's when it all just kind of took off um, I started you know it was this is 18 months in it go now so we're still very much in zoom territory there was never any kind of yeah. physical you know in-person meeting so it was yep. just meeting after meeting meeting mm -hmm. these publishers here and in the UK um, discuss which is a really good opportunity as well to kind of gauge what they saw in the book what they liked about the book what they would want to do with it editorially what yep. they would want to do with it from a kind of visual point of view and how that where they see it sitting because you know you want to make sure with your baby the baby you've worked so hard to write that you're teaming up with people who are kind of really get your vision and share your vision so took a bunch of those meetings and then once that happened it went to auction um which you know for anyone listening who's unsure how a book auction goes they take place over 48 hours my agent's doing all the work. I'm just kind of um, here getting a string of the most exciting emails of my yeah. life. Um, yeah. And then as, you know, as different publishers bid and then at 48 hours, it's all over, it's done. We get to choose which publisher we wanted to go with. Um, okay. And I was, you know, yeah, it was just, I mean, my head was spinning for weeks afterwards. So I bet. Oh, I love this story. <laughs> so, I mean, it, that's only the preliminary, isn't it? So once you're actually in in the depths of it, what kind of author are you? Do you loathe the editing with a, the power of a thousand suns or do you take joy in your words being scrutinised? You know, that's a really good question. I have really enjoyed the editing process, but I wonder if that's just because I've got such sensational editors. Um, ah. So... And, you know, back to that point of having meetings with them in advance and knowing what they wanted to do editorially, I knew that I was in a really lucky position in that the kind of my UK publisher and my Australian publisher, because they, so my publishers did the structural edit before we went, before it went to the editors in-house to do the, to the line and copy. Yeah. Um, and so we were talking about, you know, the big picture story type stuff. And we all just had such, there was such alignment in our, kind of visions I suppose for what we wanted the book to be and it was a really um it was a conversation you know I wasn't ever, ever pressured to do anything I didn't want to do yeah. all of the edits I thought were really clever really smart so I enjoy it I enjoy it up to the point I enjoy editing up to the point where I can still see how it's improving my story yeah it does get to a point and I think this is across the board when you've read your own manuscript <laughs> hundreds of times and your brain is kind of holding 16 different slightly different versions of the story and you can't quite remember which detail or which plot which plot point is still yeah. in there who says this line whether it's gone completely that's when it becomes a bit of a a bit tedious um yeah. but only because it just feels like your brain has too many tabs open and you can't objectively see your story sort of improving anymore you're like now I just feel like I'm moving things around yeah. for the sake of it yeah um, yeah yeah <laughs> yeah, that's when it's time to stop, isn't it? <laughs> exactly. That's when it's time to, to get clear your head. And, and you know, I still haven't um, kind of read a girl called Corpse front to back since it's been printed. Yeah. Because I just yeah. need 
that I'll probably will do before I go back and edit book two, just yeah. to kind of, you know, recenter myself, but I just need more time from it so that I can come at it as a reader. It just, yeah. that takes yeah. a while, I think. Yeah, it does. Yeah. Now the cover is magnificent and we even had like a mini coffin delivered to our house. How did the cover and the creepy paraphernalia come about? I have to thank Alan and Unwin for all that creative genius. That was, um, so, I mean, to start with, like, actually, no, we'll talk about how it came about really was when, you know, as, a, as during the auction process, they don't just bid with a kind of a, you know, a level of advance. They come through with a marketing and publicity plan, yeah, um, yeah. the whole lot. And Alan and Unwin really went above and beyond. They sent this full, beautifully coloured design document that just had most creative ideas but as you say yeah. um Julie they were like um we'll give you, know, you a coffin arcs will go out arcs will go out in these coffin <laughs> coffin boxes and you know window displays will look like this and all this Yay. kind of just amazing amazing stuff um and you kind of you know it's so far out at that point um from actual publication that you kind of think are these just ideas or are they going to happen and they all yeah. happened yeah. they all happened um and then in terms of kind of the, the cover and the design I mean um so Simon Howe is the the illustrator and he's just done the most amazing job it's like he reached into my brain and plucked out exactly what it's supposed to look like um and then Christy Lundwhite is the she's been the designer that's been working on this from the beginning and even before um we met with Simon we, we we were working with Christy because she did um among so many other parts of the design she did the the um like the hand lettering for the title yes, of the chapter yes. headings and so that was probably the like that was a very early part we got started with that quite soon after signing because we you know um and yeah. i mean the, yeah. the proof is in the pudding it's such a stunning kind of font that looks like smoke uh it's so beautiful yep yep it's wonderful so yeah so i mean no that's, that's oh sorry sorry go no, ahead no Julie. no you keep going <laughs> well, i could just wax about. lyrical about the cover for, for so long because it's just so like they've done such an incredible um such yeah. an incredible job of it you know what i mean um and even through yeah. to like the internal illustrations the map everything's just beautiful um and i'm just so in awe of these creatives you know that, um kind of bring some bring their own magic to the story you know what i mean it was just yeah. me kind of me and microsoft word tap tap tapping away and somehow mm. it's become this beautiful product thanks to their work yeah yeah that's amazing so what's your debut year been like and what's the standout for you so far oh I mean it's been it's been I mean it's been a lot of things as I said it was hugely exciting initially kind of just having the sale and being able to announce it and then everything does go quiet for a while whilst yeah, you're in the trenches slows. editing slows right down um Luckily, I had book two to work on, so there's going to be a sequel, and I've been drafting that. Writing book two is a whole nother beast, though. It's very different um, yep. having sort of a set of expectations, I think. Like, you know, it's already contracted. People are waiting on it. People have yep. already you know, paid money for it, and now, like, you're just like, oh, God, I hope I can kind of meet their expectations. Um, so that was at times stressful, I'll be honest. Um, but it's done now. So and everyone enjoyed yep. it. So that's good. Amazing. Um, but I think in terms of the absolute highlight, and I think there's going to be more of this to come because as you say, it's still still early days. Yeah. Um, the but the highlights have been the reviews from young readers. Uh, like I know there are a handful of kids who have um you know been been able to access arcs whether it's through their parents' jobs or whatever it might be. So early readers in that case, I've you know one of my best friends, I 
took an arc around to her daughter. Uh, and so hearing the feedback from my actual readers is just so exciting. Yeah. Um, yep. Yeah. I totally get it. Yeah. So if you could tell your pre-published author self one piece of advice, what would it be? One piece. Can it be one piece in two parts? <laughs> it can be 10. <laughs> okay. All right. So the first thing I would definitely, I would step back to, uh, early days author reefs and say go and do some creative writing study like I think at first I thought that my imagination and my love of reading would be enough to be able to write books of my own um and obviously imagination is a hugely important part of it but you do need to kind of learn the learn the tools and learn you know how to shape a story how to you know how to use structure and pacing and all that kind of stuff and I think that I was resistant to that for a while because I just wanted to get to the good bit of writing stories yeah um and it probably you know it, it, it yeah I mean look I don't regret any part of how it's all come about but it, it probably could have come about a little bit quicker if I'd gotten over that ego bit and just gone and done some study um, yep. And then once the second part of my advice would be, and then once the study's done, then let your imagination go wild and pick at the, you know, take ideas from the weirdest corners of your brain and shape them into story. Don't question whether you've seen them before. Don't question whether you're writing to trend, because I think I, again, I think I did that with my first three manuscripts and that's why they look a lot like things I've already, like mishmash jobs yeah. of things I've already I've already seen before. Whereas with A Girl Called Corpse, I was like, well, now I have the confidence in my writing from having studied and practised. I actually feel like I can take these really kind of bizarre ideas I've got about a girl made of wax with seaweed for hair and polished abalone shells for eyes and a yeah. spider who communicates through clicks and just go with it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And so that would be the other part of the advice. Think really big with your imagination. Yeah, yeah. So is there one middle grade book that you have enjoyed that perhaps needs a little bit more airtime? You know what? I think we mentioned Sophie Anderson before. And so I'm going to say her, fir her, her first book, um, The House with Chicken Legs. And it yeah. was, it's, I mean, it's a big success in the UK and it's, you know, done well. And I suppose it's available. It's definitely, you know, available here and people are reading and enjoying it. But it's such a great book. I feel like it's one that, um here in Australia not as many readers have read it who should have um it's you know similar to I mean it's very much in my tastes it's kind of a little bit darker it's a retelling of uh the Baba Yaga yep. um, legend yeah um and so it kind of weaves fairy tale in with um you know more kind of like modern middle grade fantasy like it's set in the present day and it's all kind of uh, like it's dark, but also really heartwarming, like, and, you know, very kind of life, even though it's a book that looks very directly at death and mortality, it's a really life-affirming, sweet, hopeful book. Um, and yeah. so, yeah, The House of Chicken Legs is definitely one of my faves. Yeah, I've definitely seen it on out because I work in libraries on our library shelves coming and going. So, yeah. Check it out. Check it out if you haven't read it yet, Julie. <laughs> yeah, I will. So what's next for Reese Carter? You mentioned book two. Yes. So book two is the first draft is submitted and done uh, and that will be coming out next year. Yeah. Um, there will be a book three as well, but I'm kind of giving myself a small break uh, yes. and just really enjoying, really enjoying what is coming for the rest of this year, which is of course the release, the release of the book and finally getting yeah. to go and do those school visits and library visits. Yeah. So we're going to be yeah. going and meeting kids and I've created a workshop, like a 30 minute workshop where 
uh, kids create their own spooky characters. Nice. So I'm excited to get out there and um, yeah, and enjoy that. And then, and then go home and see the family for Christmas because it'll be the first time in like three years. So yeah. that will be my reward at the end of it all. Oh, lovely. <laughs> well, what a delight it has been to talk about a little girl called Corpse. Where can we find you if our listeners are interested in checking out your books? Sure. So my website is reesecarter.com.au and that's R-E-E-C-E. Instagram is the social media I'm most uh, active on and it's Herb Nerd Reese. So H-E-R-B Nerd and then Reese, my name again. Um, And then just to confuse people on Twitter, I'm Word Nerd Reese. So (laughs) go figure. (laughs) It is hard to be consistent on social media. Oh, wonderful. Well, come back next year when book two comes out. We look forward to reading it. Absolutely. This has been so much fun. Thanks, Julie. Thanks for stopping by Middle Grade Mavens. If you'd like to know more about the Mavens, log on to middlegradepodcast.com or to find Julie online, stop by julieandgrassobooks.com. And to find Pamela, stop by www.ueckerman.net.